they get golly hard when they jumble Jumping over hurdles, slowing birds like a turtle Merkin fool, like squirtle and cake rule Cold blood is with the strong scheme, I'm a boss Flip the coin, toss, it's straws, I'm out of loss How my brains get busted, slinging letters into couplets Muck up the sub- Good morning, and welcome to That Got Me Thinking. My guests today are Biz Ellis and Teresa Thorne. They are the creators, producers, and hosts of the comedy podcast, One Bad Mother. They've got well over 100 episodes under their belts and appear to be firing on all cylinders. Welcome, Biz and Teresa. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. I wanted to start with the show's tagline and and go from there. I was up at four in the morning last night, and I was thinking about your tagline, and I, for some reason, started thinking about Star Trek's tagline, to boldly go where no man has gone before, and I thought, well, you know, their tagline could be, you know, they seem to be very consciously going where many, many, many women have gone before. Um, so that's not your tagline. I wonder if one of you might um, start off just sharing what your tagline is. Well, which one? <laughs> I know we've come up with a few taglines over the all years, of them. but Throw I, them I all would out. say uh, the one that probably embraces the show the most is that this is hard, and no one really gives a and I don't know expletive. Can, an expletive. <laughs> yeah, and then right on, on a number of your shows, right after you do the intro, you say something about this is about motherhood and life after motherhood do I have oh yeah you know this this is a show about life and life after motherhood yeah life after giving life life. after after that's right this is a show about life uh and uh life after giving life no I, I think all that stems sort of from the fact that for many people kids come into your lives however they come into your lives and you start not being who you were before they entered into your life. And like, what is that life now? You know, what is that life and what is that supposed to be? And yeah, yeah we just, we, Biz and I both sort of felt like aliens for a little while. And so I think a lot of new parents go through a phase of this is a different life now. So what what is this now? And yeah. how do I fit into it? And who am I now? And so I want to talk about in, in just a minute about your two uh, different forests that you arrived in <laughs> as aliens in just a moment. But I want to start with the life-changing t-shirt, which we're talking about life-changing events. And so it seemed like, Biz, that Getting the t-shirt, the idea that you didn't have the t-shirt, and then getting the t-shirt was a really monumental moment in helping you to shift into a more comfortable space. Would you mind talking about that a little bit? I would historically like to think that I was pretty cool before kids. (laughs) I'm sure you were. You were in New York. You had a cool job. And and then I had my daughter, and it all was lost for a while. And like part of it was that uh, there's this image of of having kids and of moms and of all of it, that is that you are this magical vessel and that this is, um, you know, so special and so sweet that you can't even have fun poking fun of it. I mean, like it, it, it's that you better be doing a hundred percent of a great job and feel super awesome about it the whole time. And I, or you're doing it wrong and you should feel horrible about it. And I felt that the t-shirts out there in the world really emphasize everything was like, you know, the best you could get would be like super mom. And I, I, I don't know if, I didn't want to be super mom. I, I you know, I, I, I think that, I'm, yeah, I, it, and, yeah. I, and I'm not super mom yeah. and I, I don't, I wasn't sure what, I mean, it's fine. I certainly have some super mom t-shirts and occasionally, you know, I, I bust them out, but like, 
um, it felt really limited while my husband was walking around in all these awesome shirts. Like number one, that number four, dad is the one that he walks around in, which I thought was hilarious. And, uh, uh, their shirts sort of give them this opportunity to be forgiven for making mistakes. And all my shirts had a pretty high bar set for me. So my husband made me the t-shirt that said one bad mother and it's just black and the writing was yellow and it felt really hardcore and it felt fun and it, it felt like uh, I was cool and a mom. It sort of united these two worlds for me. Um, and that's the response it got too. People were really like, whoa, wow, that's a really great shirt because I'd have this baby with me and then you'd have the shirt and they were like, wow, that's really awesome. And I, it, it just sort of, it definitely united some, some, uh, I guess, self-image issues for me that I was having after I'd had my daughter. And, and did, so did the message for both of you seem pretty clear as to, because you both were sort of in sync on that as to what the message was. You should be the perfect fairy tale mother and doing a great job and enjoying every minute. So it was both of yours experience that that was kind of the larger message being sent. That's kind a really interesting question because yeah. um, I think when Biz and I first became friends and were first sort of talking about what this show might be if we were going to do it together, um, we had a couple of funny moments where like, I know Biz, like Biz's thing, I remember you saying this, Biz, I remember you saying like, there's just nothing cool for moms. Like, I just yeah. want it to be cool and for moms. Like, I want it to be cool and for moms. And I think that was where you were coming from. And um, I think I was coming from a place of, uh, like, I definitely agreed with that. But I also, I think mine was a little bit more like the, nobody tells you how hard this is going to be. Mm. Nobody, you know, and um, I remember this one day we were on a walk and we just, we just kind of started laughing because we realized Biz was talking about playing like some kind of like loud rock music for our intro. And I was talking about, oh, we should have a segment called Compliment Your Partner. <laughs> and um, and we just like both totally cracked up. And because we were just still getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. And so I, I realized I had to say to Biz, oh, I want compliment, compliment Your Partner to be kind of like a joke, though. I'm not like <laughs> saying that like this is just going to be like this like happy place. I want it to also be kind of a joke, but real, but also kind of a joke. Right, yeah, because there is, at least, we started this, it's been, we've been doing the show for a little over three years, but when I, my daughter was already two by then, so uh, five years ago, the internet and was full of all these parenting blogs, like Pinterest wasn't even out when I had Katie Bell, so... Uh, the only thing, if I was looking to connect with other moms uh, online or out in the universe, the blogs were pretty much all these picture-perfect mm, yeah. utopias of, like, parents who looked beautiful. I mean, they looked so good. They yeah. looked... Oh, they've they got looked, their nails done. They've yeah, got the, the perfect outfit. They're the ones hair. you look at and think... That's how I am on the inside. I want to yeah. look like that. And one day, again, yeah, I like, will. Yeah, I didn't even look that good when without kids. I never could put it together that much, you know? And, like, they're, like, 
I don't know if you've ever sat down to do a craft project with your child, but it never turns out like it does online. My children don't want to stand and watch me chop things in the kitchen. They don't want to play those in the carpet immediately, not being made into beautiful Christmas tree shapes, you know? And like, I, that was also, I think, played like such a huge role in this for us was just, and even for the people who succeed in that universe of making things perfect, because I, 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 I assume it exists out there, even those people deserve to say this is really hard and nobody seems yeah. to care. Like they should be applauded for being able to pull it together that much. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I think, I, well, this might, be, this might be tangential, but just that we also have realized through this journey that those things, those things that seem perfect, instead of just saying, well, nobody's perfect. Right. We go like, hey, they did a good job at that. And we don't need to feel bad that they were good at something that we didn't, that we're not good at. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's funny because you mentioned walking together. And I was also thinking about that because I know you guys had met each other and then you were walking together and the idea of the show came up and the conversation of the show. And I was thinking about just women walking together and that um, a lot of women at any age, when you have newborns, one of the things you do together is walk. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of older women, we have a lot of older women in this community and they were, they're tight-knit group and they, they all walk together. They hike and they walk. I wondered if you still walk together and if you think that there's something about that, about women and in movement and being together. Well, we had a sec. We both had second kids, and then our lives went to total shit. <laughs> yeah, there's no more walking together. You wave in the car lines later uh, on in life. Yeah, I think we stopped walking when we got really, really pregnant, and it was like a thousand degrees in the summer, and we were like, "This isn't a good idea anymore." And then we both had our babies, and it's just life has become even so much crazier than it was before. So no, we haven't walked and we miss it. I we miss do, it. I miss it yeah. a lot too, yes. So I think you answered the forest question, and anyone interested in, in your different forests, they just need to go to your, your website and check out your early up one and two episodes, and you talk about your different forests, because it seems like you guys were looking for an answer to the same dilemma, even though you may have been in very different places as far as what your experience had been so far in childbirth and, and then in being new moms. I want to talk a little bit about once the decision was made to do this show, it was very clearly, it's not, um, let's just sit around and talk show. It seems very purposeful and seems very much uh, focused on sort of deep thought about choices and consequences. And there's an intellectual dialogue going around the sort of social constructs and day-to-day issues that you guys are, are coming up against. How did you come up with the format? Uh, you know, I come from a pretty structured uh performance background and I did comedy in New York and one of the first things as a woman who wants to do comedy is you really discover that uh, a lot of comedy performances are are men and uh, and a lot of times there are, there are many male comedians who are amazing. They bring great respect to their craft. They bring great respect to putting on a good show. But it is totally acceptable for guys who are horrible at comedy to still get up and perform wherever they want and not have, and people would still go back and see their show again. Like no one would say, oh, I saw that male sketch group. They're pretty bad. Hey, they're performing Friday. Okay. Uh, I was doing, uh, I was part of a female sketch comedy group uh, in New York called Meet and we all wanted, we all understood that we had to be better 
right? You had to be better so that, you know, even on your work, because it's very easy for people to say, oh, I saw that girl group. They're awful. I'm never seeing another girl group perform again. I mean, like that, that still happens. It, like you suddenly speak. So, so, yeah, I was going to say, not only do you perform for your own group, but now you're performing for all women comedy groups. Which is ridiculous. Little I mean, pressure. you should be able to be horrible just as much as the next guy and not punish all people who come after you. And so podcasts were just sort of coming about. And I knew a lot of people who had podcasts. And I know Teresa, I mean, Teresa, I think, had a unique experience of being involved in the Max Fund family. So she actually, her podcast experiences were with really great podcasts. Um, my podcast experience previously was filled with the same attitude. I'm just going to get in front of a mic and I'm just going to talk and reward me. <laughs> Pat me on the back. I don't understand why I'm on a TV show, right? And so, like... I understood there weren't a lot of women doing podcasts at the time, and uh, I really, we both agreed this needed to be, this needed to be professional. It needed to be polished. You needed to be, no one, it's really hard to listen to two people talking. That, yeah. like that's, it's a really hard yeah. thing to do. Especially if they're not, like, famous people. Yeah. You don't, I mean, there has to be, like, some reason for this. Yeah. Like, there has to be some, some purpose. And so, you know, I mean, there's a part of my gut is always to keep things changed up and keep trying new things. But I got actually great advice from Teresa's husband, Jesse Thorne, who said the routine on air really helps listeners. Listeners enjoy the routine. They know that at this mark, they're going to hear this. They know at this mark, they're going to hear this. And I had to really kind of work through that mentally for myself. It's like um, child rearing. The kids want to know what's going to come. Yeah, it, but it really is. And I realized that those were the shows that I liked the best too. So we knew we wanted to do these segments. Um, Teresa brought a really... Now, I would overwork everything to death if I could. Uh, Teresa early on said, I don't want to plan too much in terms of our discussions outside of what the topic's going to be. Uh, and that took me a while to adjust to. But it's, it's wound up being great. We legitimately have gotten to know each other on air. And we still, three years in, will have discussions that I will walk into thinking it's not going to be a big deal. Like, we had one on crafting like making stuff with your kids uh, a couple of months ago and I was like yeah this is going to be an, a freebie an easy show <laughs> and to, it was like one of our probably most I might have cried Did yeah I, cry? I think Teresa cried and I started like trying to project like, it was we were the epitome of two opposites coming into this conversation and the structure of the show really allows us to to do that and then move on to these other elements. Well, it's interesting because when I began listening to episodes of the show, I thought, what's the difference between this and a reality radio show? And clearly it's not listening in on sort of idle chatter at the coffee shop. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what is making it different? And some of the elements are that you are digging deep, right? It's emotional, it's intellectual, it's social, you're inquisitive, you're having an actual conversation and I think more engaging because it's live in the sense of you haven't had a conversation prior on these specific topics about conscious parenting and supporting other parents. And also part of it seems to me to be working out things for yourselves. And I wonder if through the years you guys have had that experience where you're like, okay, I came in feeling this way or that way and not sure maybe how I thought about things. And actually your viewpoint or perspective or approach was worked out through the conversation. Oh, man. 
Yeah, a lot, a lot. A lot. A lot. I, I, I'm going to quickly say, and then I'll let you go. I'll quickly say for me, probably the biggest things that have changed for me is that I am so much better at being empathetic with other people, not just parents. When I, when I see people on the street, if they're, I'm like, what the, what is wrong with that guy? And I'm like, oh, something actually could be wrong with that guy. And I, and it doesn't, it, it shouldn't bother me or uh, parenting choice, seeing like how parents handle different things or, you know, you see the kid melting down at Target. Uh, I try really hard to not give the stink face. I try and go up and say, you're doing a good job or, or whatever without it being creepy and weird, right? But like, I definitely feel more patience and more empathetic and less judgmental about uh, other people's choices, which is really technically how what we should all be trying to do. I, sh I don't deserve a medal for that or anything. But it, it, for me, uh, that was a big deal. And I've also really gotten okay with being told that I'm doing a good job. Mm. And, and you can really, I was editing the show a couple of months ago, and I actually started hearing myself not laugh off Teresa telling me I was doing a good job and actually just saying thank you. And that that's a big deal for me because it's pretty easy for me to blow off praise and and yeah that's so for me that's probably my two biggest and does it flip back and also allow you to give yourself a little more room for maybe not being perfect yeah. or doing something that others might look at and say oh she's really messing up yeah absolutely but, I, yeah. yeah I was I was actually just gonna say I think I've found that um when things happen at home or in my own life with my kids that I feel bad about because of the show, I'm much more prone to stop myself and think like, okay, why do I feel bad about this? What's going on right now that is making me feel bad about this? Is this something I actually like screwed up? Is this really something I need to be feeling bad about? And I, I really, I really do. I, for one thing, I, I'm more forgiving with myself, which I think makes me a better parent, but also a lot of times I take those moments and I save them to talk about on the show because <laughs> it, it's weird to have this feeling of to go from within like a few seconds, oh my God, like I feel so terrible or guilty about this or bad to like flip it around and go like, no, there's nothing to be ashamed of about this. I'm going to actually so much so that I'm going to actually talk about this. And, and gonna... it's material. It also becomes a good thing. It's like, okay, this is also <laughs> yeah. material for my show. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely true. But I mean, the reason that I think it's good material is because I think there's something there. Something happens for me. I know everybody's lives are different, but I think so much of parenting young children is a universal yeah. experience in so many ways. And I just, I just have to have faith that somebody else out there has experienced something <laughs> similar, you know? And I don't think it's ever happened that one of us has been left hanging on the show. Ever. Like, I don't think ever that ever. that has happened. Yeah. And Teresa, you had said in an interview, when it's a rough day, you feel 100% better when you can share what, what happened. Um, and just talking about it makes a difference. And why do you think that is, that it takes the pressure off? Um, I don't know. There's something, I mean, it, partially I'm just an extrovert, so <laughs> I process things by talking about them with my friends. Um, and so that's natural for me. But I think that... Um, I think it, there's something about when I don't talk about something that makes me feel bad, there's something about it that makes it feel bigger and 
more powerful and more scary. And if I talk about it and I talk about it with a community that I trust and a friend that I trust, like Biz, like I know that I'm going to be supported and um, yeah, it I, works. Yeah, I, I just want to add to that. The One of the things I think that we get the most feedback on from our listeners and I, I think ties into this question is I felt, they say, I felt super isolated and I felt totally alone. And for the first time, I don't feel alone, especially when things are going so out of control and so crazy. You know, I little kids are kind of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're trying your best. And again, all these images are that it's, you're supposed to be having this precious moment with them at all times. And like, ah, you can't, it is impossible. And then, so you're so torn with the guilt of why don't I feel great that my kid just poured peanut butter all over the carpet, right? Like, ah. and, or why do I feel so bad that I, you know, totally screwed up his nap or he's still drinking a bottle at 22 or whatever it is. And, and like when you start sharing this stuff out loud and, and you announce that you're going to still get to hear that you're doing a good job and that it's okay because you're not alone. These are really normal things. It really takes that pressure off. So I want to talk a little bit about that pressure there's a book, fairly old now, because I think I re read this when my daughter Tula was three and she's now 13. Um, and yesterday she was taller than I am for the first time. <laughs> wait, wait, wait till you do a show on that. It's she can get moment. all that stuff off that shelf for you. It's uh, going to be so helpful. All of a sudden I turn around and I'm looking in her eyes. I'm like, when did that happen? <laughs> um, but I want to talk a little bit about the, the pressure. And um, there was a book by Judith Warner called Perfect Madness, Mothering in the Age of Anxiety. Hmm. She talks a lot about, especially in the American culture, this constant pressure of our generation of parenting. And on one clip I heard from, from one of your past shows, Teresa, you were talking about vegging out on your cell phone when your son was taking a nap. And you <laughs> were talking about how you felt so guilty you weren't being productive. And you go on and on. And finally, at the end of like that segment, you're like, yeah, I was on my phone for 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, I was completely taken aback. And I thought, 15 minutes? I thought maybe you were going to say two hours. And even <laughs> like 15 minutes. And I get the idea that there's so much to do. You're completely overwhelmed that 15 minutes even then is a big amount of time. But I just want to talk a little bit about this constant pressure. And maybe we could talk about it a little bit around what's at the heart of the quote-unquote mommy wars. Well, we have a pretty strong, I just, we want to say right off, we don't believe that there are mommy wars. We, we totally, we will not give it power by even saying it exists. We, it's total garbage. It's total media-based. It's total, don't get me wrong, there is the feeling of being judged and judging others. That is that you have a kid, it comes like with the... It comes even without kids. It comes even without Everybody kids. Everybody judges yeah. and feels stuck. It's impossible to... So Well, then it's universal. universal. That's the key that you were saying about the quote-unquote perfect moms that you see doing great crafts. They're feeling just as as yeah. uh, pressured and and judged as as the next person. They're just smart enough to take good pictures of themselves <laughs> exactly. doing it. Good and moment. then like that's their big genius moment. Like so, I, I, I yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, do well, I, I just wanted want to say, I just wanted to say that the pressure, at least in our one bad mother universe, 
we really try and take, there, we have enough reasons to feel pressured to not buy into the mommy wars as part of that pressure. It is, uh, it's totally fodder for magazines and clickbait and, 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 and things like that. And I, I just, the more we talk to moms and the more we talk to people, the more, and, and parents in general, like dads, everybody who's a parent, I guess that's just it. That's and do you have a sense of where the pressure comes from or does it matter? I, I just want to add that um, I think that the pressure, I think we perpetuate it by accident all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know exactly where it comes from other than, you know, survival of the fittest. Everybody wants to show that we're doing better than somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, that's like a natural human thing. But um, I know that especially with the show, I'm... I try to be really conscious of what stuff I'm sharing as like my genius moments and my failures because I think everything that we say, like not that like my personal, Teresa Thorne's voice is like so important <laughs> and influential, but like I know that we just as people in the world and with our friends, we have the power to make people feel that pressure more. Like for example, with your comment about the when I said something on the show about that I had vegged out for way too long and it turned out to be 15 minutes, like that's a perfect example of something that I said, which was probably true. And I was, I was feeling the pressure when I said that. And like in hindsight, I, you know, I wish I would have also said something like, and I should have vegged for two hours and who cares if you do. I'm always I'm always trying to pick for, we have genius moments on the show. And for my genius moments, whenever possible, I pick something that I just did for myself that just has nothing to do with being a good, quote unquote, good parent or being a whatever, being like basically feeding that pressure. Sometimes the genius moments are like, you know, I, I figured out this great thing that my kids love or whatever and I or made something that my kids love. But a lot of times I just want to say like my genius moment was the other day we had my husband and I had something to go to that got pushed back and we just we just still had the babysitter come early so that we could go out and just mess around before we went to do the thing that we had to do. I just I think that everybody should be do like everybody should be working hard not to continue to perpetuate that pressure, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, actually, you said something, Teresa, that totally got me thinking on the pressure. I, so much of it, I think, is internal. I, on the show, seem to be the voice of the pressure a lot. I, I feel a lot of pressure. I, I, I wish I could be the mom who's got the awesome blog. I really do. I will force my kids to play with, the homemade Play-Doh and none of them want to. And it's very upsetting to me. Um, and I, I can think back to seeing people with their kids out when Katie Bell, my first daughter was a baby and she was a very easy baby and watching their kid freak out, trying to get a jacket put on and thinking, <laughs> well, oh, I'm clearly the better parent because my child loves jackets, right? <laughs> and then I had my second child, and my second child is every child that I ever gave the stink eye to the first time around embodied in one 
two-year-old. Mm -hmm. I'm the one football carrying him out screaming. I'm the one with the meltdowns in Target. I'm the one who's like saying ridiculous things like, if you don't sit down, if you don't sit down in your top, your, your, your chair right now, I'm going to leave you. Yeah, I mean, like just crazy, right? So one of the things I think we talk about on the show, and Teresa has really taught me on the show, is when you see people doing things seemingly better than you or enjoying it, they're not doing it at you. They're not, they're not saying anything about you. And so you shouldn't let that become pressure for you. And when you're having a conversation with a friend or another mom and they say, my child slept through the night and your child isn't sleeping through the night, this is not an argument. No one is commenting <laughs> on you, what you did or why your kid's not sleeping, right? And, and you're not commenting on the magic that is sleep from your friend. And that's that pressure. And that's the stuff that I think we try so hard on the show to work through. It's okay for people to have good days and it's okay for people to have bad days. Well, and also, um, Teresa, just to something you said about your voice not being important and influential. And I think that that's not actually accurate, that just the fact that both of you are willing to share your voices and your experiences and be thoughtful and conscious about the conversations you're having in regards to each other and in regard to the topic, that is incredibly important and influential and, and sort of the basis of your whole show. And I, from that, want to go into sort of what you each feel that you give your, your listeners. Um, certainly a place to connect and share, uh, absolutely forgiveness and permission in just you giving it to each other within your conversation. Uh, is it something that you're conscious of when you're thinking about what show you're going to do or preparing for a show, the idea of what it is you want to provide to your listeners? One thing's for sure that we know going into this is we are one slice of the demographic that is all parents, okay? You know, we are two white ladies, right? Talking about parenting, big surprise. That, there's no market out there for two white women to talk about parenting, for goodness sakes. Um, anyway, uh, so, but we understand we're not speaking just for that group. We want to speak, we, we find so truly that the one thing that unites all of us everywhere is that your kid is probably cramming peanut butter into something <laughs> valuable of yours, right? Like your child didn't sleep at all last night. Your kid did something that made you cry by yourself in the bath. We've all stood in the bathroom and said, how did I get here? And I, this is not supposed to be my life on the worst of days, okay? I don't think there's anybody anywhere, regardless of what part of the planet you were from or or how much money you have, or what you look like, or anything. This is, and that's really important to us. And so we try and be mindful in our discussions to share our personal experiences without saying they're the only experiences. And, and I think there are probably certain topics that we have avoided that only now at three years we feel we can address in a way that won't come across sounding judgmental or, or mean or, or whatever. We don't ever want to be mean to anybody and we don't want to be mean to each other. And um, uh, the parents are never the butt of our, our humor. Our humor comes from uh, 
just the honesty, uh, I think, that we share. But, like, a good example is we never wanted to do um, a thing on in-laws, right, or grandparents. And we really put that off for a long time because we were like, this is a touchy subject. This is a big deal. This can bring up a lot of emotional stuff for people. And there's so much that plays into those dynamics that all the different people are bringing to the table. The the grandparents, the whoever the married person into the situation is, whoever the child of those parents is that's there, it's difficult. And it took us a long time before we could figure out a way to talk about it without, you know, turning it into something bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we take that approach to all of our topics a little bit. I mean, some are easier, but again, like I said, I, you know, the ones that I always think are going to be really easy and aren't a big deal are the ones that Teresa and I find them to be the most challenging, I think, to the not feeling judged pressure when we're sharing our experiences on these really mundane. We just did school lunches. Mm -hmm. uh, that comes out this week, a show on school lunches. And man, oh, you can, you when, can feel awful about lunches. Well, when you talked about the blog, that was what came up to my mind, the perfect school lunch, you know, yeah. that you're supposed to pack. And so it definitely seems like you're focused on sort of the universal element of experience, no matter who you are, everyone shares these universal elements and you're helping people to um, adjust their expectations. You had a guest on Emily Oster who wrote a book called Expecting Better and Definitely in that segment, you guys are offering up in a way to give your, yourself permission to have fun, take time for yourself, make your own choices, um, and not have to succumb to the external pressure of the media or of your, your next door neighbor. Well, the big takeaway, the big, here's the big surprise we've discovered in parenting. Parenting is about individual choices for your own family. What? What? <laughs> But, uh, Teresa, you and I should be doing the exact same thing. If we're not, then that means that one of us doesn't like the other one. Probably. <laughs> that's probably true. This relationship should totally devolve. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's really when you have a chance to sit back, everybody should go out and just spend time talking to each other for at least an hour or once a week uh, about parenting. Uh, and so that you can develop the takeaway that Teresa and I have finally taken away, which is, oh, everything else is just crap. <laughs> well, and I think that's important that, that, to realize that maybe look a little deeper as to why do we want people to be doing it the same way we are. And I think because, again, it goes back to this pressure, we want to be validated for the way yes. that we're doing it because we feel so insecure about the way we're doing it. It's the most private job in the world. And yeah. we, we, you know, we are programmed in school. We're programmed at work to be rewarded when we do a good job, you know? Oh, and I remember I had a boss who was like, the printer's broken. And I went in and I was like, it's just out of paper. You know what I mean? And he was like, that's genius. You're so <laughs> smart. And I was like, okay. So like, even the dumbest, smallest of things you do publicly get totally celebrated while Everything you do as a parent is totally unrecognized. And I think that exactly is exactly right. That plays into this pressure of needing to be validated and needing to be approved because the only thing people ever see you do publicly as a parent is usually when you're taking your screaming kid out of something. And what we all should acknowledge is that's actually a really good thing you're doing taking the kid out. It's not the kid's fault he doesn't want to go. You know, that mom 
carrying the kid out, having the meltdown, and being really calm is a genius. Or the dad doing the exact same thing. Every time I see like any parent with like bags of groceries and kids crossed in the street trying to do anything, I just want to yell out, you're totally awesome, right? Like it, because it's like changing that printer in the, you know, paper in the printer. It's, no one cares because yeah. it's so private. H hence your merit badges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, exactly. I, I want to talk a little bit about, we're sort of touching on the, the sides of it, about feminism. There was a Seattle article with you two, and she referred to you and your elements of your show as, as being feminist. And I just wonder if either of you or both of you see yourselves as feminists and, and what that term means for you these days. Uh, yeah, we're both totally yes, we're feminists. <laughs> okay, so then down to the what that term means for you these days. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. And you know, you've got Gloria Steinem, who's 81, you know, full speed ahead, just wrote a book, speaking all over. And in conjunction with that, you have all these anti-feminist websites of typically younger generation who are having slut parties and talking about how feminism, they aren't feminists, feminism isn't for them, they don't need it. Oh, did they, did I they wonder a little speak bit out if, in public? Surprise, yeah, I, you're a feminist. I, I, yeah, I wonder a little <laughs> bit if they've done much history work on sort of, right. you know, where they are and why they're there, um, which is a great talk uh, with Emma Watson about sort of what feminism is in that term. And it makes sense that the term isn't as popular now as it was. It, it was restrictive in a lot of ways and, and um, had a certain sort of persona attached to it. But so... You see yourselves as feminists, and in my mind, you're offering the missing link. When I hear your voices on the podcast, I feel like you're now putting voices to that area of feminism that was missing, the value of being a mother, what it means to be a mother, the different ways of being a mother, and sort of fitting that in with having been really cool and well-educated <laughs> and putting that together. I, You know... Yeah, go ahead, Teresa, because I'll babble. Uh, yeah, I guess I will just say about that, um, for me, getting to be a mom and getting to, you know, I, I'm, I work part-time as well, but my primary work in my life right now is being a mom and taking care of my kids. Um, and that is completely by choice. Um, and it's something I really love. So I think for me, being a feminist is, I mean, I can thank feminism for yeah. being able to do what I want with my life, basically, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. And I think for me, uh, yeah, it's all, I mean, I, I think once again, it's really, people really like to be mean to each other. And I, I, it just makes me bananas. And this whole crap about, you know, feminism is something awful. I mean, we like to tell everybody everything is awful. And it makes me crazy. I just turn it off as soon as somebody starts talking about it. It is about being able to have choices. And we still live in a country where people don't have choices. You know what I mean? Like, for me, I had a real wrestle. My, you know, my sister and I both were raised, you know, my mom went back to law school when I was in first grade. Um, we both, the assumption that we would work was like 100% that we'd both be working and we worked really hard. And then uh, 
for me, there was a really large wrestle with when uh, I went from working full-time to working part-time with my daughter to we moved, and, you know, I really had this idea that I wanted to, to be with my kids and, you know, have another kid and all this stuff, and then realizing that was not nearly as much fun as I thought that was going to be, like that that was like really challenging. And there are all these misconceptions about people's choices and what's going on in their lives. And like we currently now are in a situation where uh, it legitimately is more affordable for me to keep doing what I'm doing right now because of the age of our our children and and what my husband's pursuing his career. And, And, you know, I think there's this assumption that uh, people who stay home, dads or moms who choose to stay home, that this is like a massive luxury and there are not a number of things that go into that decision process, right? Um, uh, and I think there's also a lot of horrible preconceptions about people who want to work. I, like, I had this amazing boss. She was the CFO of a company I had. And she worked she never stopped working, and she loved her nanny, and she brought the nanny and the kids, you know, to every conference she ever went to, and she and her kids are so tight, and they're so awesome, and she's like just this beautiful role model of, you know, making it work for her, and I think the moment you start insinuating that feminism is a bad thing, you start insinuating that everybody's choices are bad things, and I, I think... One of the things that we try and do in the show, if anything, as feminists, is just to say your choice is okay. And uh, don't be mean towards people whose choices are different than yours. And, and she and I have, Teresa and I both have been surprised often. We have uh, on our uh, private Facebook page, people have started abbreviating One Bad Mothers when they're having discussions and they started abbreviating it to, OBP, One Bad Parents, and it's just great. It's just, I mean, it's such a great thing to see the community doing because we've had a lot of people on the show talking about uh, stay-at-home dads and the balance of, you know, the work-life balance, which I don't think there is such a thing. It is, it, it, it's easy to forget those little things. Uh, and yeah, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Yay, well, feminists. Well, well, and <laughs> and that, that the work-life balance can look really different and still be in balance or be really out of balance, depending. And so about conscious choices, I wanted to ask each of you about your relationships with your husband and the fact that you both are in situations where you seem, and I'll say seem, when I've heard on the show, to have very supportive husbands who share family responsibilities. And I'm just wondering if that's something that you came in, each of you, into marriage and your generations expecting that. They said you were kind of raised with that idea. Um, or if it's something you were conscious about and, and negotiated. I think it's pretty safe to say both our husbands are feminists as well. And that, that helps uh, because feminist is not a female issue. It's a, it's a society issue. It's about just mutual respect uh, and understanding for each. Um, we, I, yeah, we, we both have really supportive husbands. I, I can say honestly, from my side, my husband and I still wrestle with things. I mean, it is, it is still foreign to me at times. We, we both worked part-time. He was freelance. We both had much more flexible schedules with my daughter when she was young. And now that Ellis has come and my husband's career has really taken off and is very focused, 
we are now in these very traditional roles that have caught me so off guard of, you know, his schedule can change and it doesn't really affect too much. And anything that happens with me or the kids, I've got to make work out. You know what I mean? If he's got a meeting... He has a meeting. You know, there's not a lot I can be like, no, you can't go to that meeting, right? <laughs> no, you can't go on that business trip. Like, I mean, you get, like, it's not, if I have a doctor's appointment, I've got to make a lot of effort to make that happen versus he can take an hour off to go to the doctor for or, work. Or to right? go like, get his hair cut. Yeah, he can go get his hair. Yeah, he gets to have the, you know, the coffee by himself at lunch, yeah. right? You know, like, oh, you must have coffee all day, stay at home, mom. <laughs> yeah, sure. We know about your coffee. We know you're not making cappuccinos. That's right. I know that for us, it's a work in progress all the time of finding that balance. Are each of your husbands okay with you sharing these stories on the air? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're very honest, but, but at the same time, yeah. do you guys have ag- agreements around that? Are there boundaries set out? This is not okay to talk about. Does it well, just wait? I will just say, Je- my husband, Jesse, has been podcasting for many, many years. Yeah. And he, one of his podcasts, he has always talked about personal stuff on. And actually, I think that has totally helped me and informed like what I what I feel comfortable with talking about on my show because I noticed there have been things that came up in the past where I was like why did he talk about that or why did he say that a certain way and that led to a discussion about that and at this point we've been doing this for so long that I think we have sort of a standard for what is acceptable and like I think we both like I don't really listen to that show of his that much anymore and he doesn't really listen to my show that much and it's kind of good that way and we just I mean, I don't know we've been I, together for a really long time yeah, you so guys it's have kind been of together for a long time yeah <laughs> but you guys have too yeah but I would say that Stefan my husband listens to every show uh-huh. um which is really nice because I never listened to any of his stuff <laughs> um no he listens to all the shows and I have definitely had moments because I will share everything and I've had to pull back a few times or we've had to because it's it if anything that I'm willing to share is also sharing something of his that he may not want then that's not okay that's not just my honesty that's suddenly his and that's that's not fair to him but he listens to all the shows and I will say that what happens is we wind up sometimes having these conversations where he'll say Sometimes it's really helpful when you get on the show and you talk about some of these things because you're able to do it and a hearing it on the show, it's so much clearer for me as a listener versus yeah. us sitting in a room trying to hash things out. He sometimes is like, I get it. Like hearing it, mm-hmm. hearing it with like, lots of other people hearing it at the same time sort of helps me. And it definitely helps me because I'm talking it out with Teresa and then Teresa will lay some of those amazing so why are you doing that moment on me? And I'm like, I don't know, because I'm a horrible person. Uh, and it helps It helps our relationship a great deal. So, you know. So it, yeah, it seems like it uh, less likely to put him in a defensive position because he's not actually there. And then clarity for both of you on what actually is going on in the, the situation. Yeah, well, I, I think we can honestly both say we are incredibly lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And now that the kids are getting older, do you have a different bailiwick as to what's okay to talk about that's in relationship to them? Yeah, that is an interesting one. Um, I definitely 
every week, actually, yeah. I'm kind of doing this calculus in my mind. Like, if I'm Simon 10 years or 20 years or 30 years from now, and God forbid, I decide it's a good idea for me to go back and listen to my mom's <laughs> podcast, <laughs> um, am I going to feel good about what she's saying about me? Um, and Simon is my four-year-old, I should say. Um, and yeah, I, I, that's really important to me. I, I, I want to, I absolutely want to be honest about the stuff that's going on with my kids, but you know, there have been things where I just thought to myself, this particular issue is not something I want to violate about my kid's trust, you know, down the road. He doesn't, he doesn't need his mom speaking out publicly about this thing that's going on with him. And I just think that that's, I mean, I just think that that's sort of common respect, you know? Right. Yeah. Treat them like we would treat our partners. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. what would you be willing to share? And I think for both of us, we work hard at making sure that just like our partners are not villains when they are less than perfect, right? Yeah. One of our big lines on the show is you didn't marry an ass probably, right? Like, so try and remember that. Like when you're having problems with your partner, try to remember that you guys were friends once before you had kids and everything went crazy, right? <laughs> and it's the same with our kids a little bit. They're, they're just kids and we love them with like the passion of a thousand sons, yeah. you know, and that you have to work really hard at, at differentiating between the stress and the annoyances of how the kids make me feel and talk more about how they're making me feel versus it being a reflection on the totally normal appropriate things that they are doing as children and yeah. should be doing as children yeah do either of you listen to old shows and sort of compare where you are now to where you had been then was the second child easier you talked a lot about was the second child going to be easier or not so do you just in general listen to shows from before, or you're just probably too busy to, to even go back. I think we're we're definitely too busy right now, but also I'll speak for myself here, but I'm kind of I'm I'm scared to go back. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think I wanna go back. Maybe someday, a long time down the road. But Yeah, we have uh, listeners who are just coming to the show and they wind up binge listening to like three years of shows in a month, which is so odd to go through that process with us. We had one who was like, you were pregnant yesterday. I started, you know, and now you have a two-year-old, right? And I'm like, well, that's weird. You're listening to a podcast. Mm -hmm. But they'll sometimes bring things up from the earlier shows and I'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe I was thinking that way. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure if I went back and listened, I, I, I would be horrified at some of the the mental states that I was in. But I mean, I don't but know. It's maybe not. not. Like, yeah. it's, we, I think we would be forgiving of ourselves. Like, we're all in this journey. And, yeah. But it's just that I don't know what the value would be, honestly, <laughs> of like going back and reliving some of that stuff. Ever like, forward. Ever forward. It's funny that you both have the same response. You're concerned that you would be sort of embarrassed or you had said terrible things. I, I, I think you both need to listen to some old shows and realize that absolutely you're going to feel pretty good about what you said. <laughs> Wait, we would just Thank prove you. that we survived. I think yeah. that, yeah, yeah, that we're still here. So I just want to, in the last couple of minutes we have, uh, just a couple of things. One, something that I think is very obvious from even just listening to the first show with each of you, that you're very self-aware and very willing to look at and be curious about 
where you are, what's happening, what you want, what you need, what's going on, what's working and what's not. Do you each own that? Do you feel that within yourselves? Or is that an outside perspective that's foreign? It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. <laughs> then my, all, all the millions of therapists I have will say it's a blessing. But yeah, no, I think we both have a desire to work on things. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. but, but what's been really fun is that they're totally different things, at, which yeah. is which they should be. And it is. I, I I think people are more self-aware than they give themselves credit for. And I think, you know, if the moment we start, allow ourselves to be a little kinder with ourselves, the the more we can make, I, I don't know, I'm a big, like, problem solver. That the more we'll be willing to look, that people maybe, I, I'm not sure everyone is more self-aware than you think they are, <laughs> but I think they might be more willing to be self-aware if you take this pressure off, which is what you're doing, that when it is safer to be self-aware and to acknowledge what you're good at, what you're not good at, what's hard for you, that then it, you're building an environment where people can become self-aware. So it's well, a huge gift. Well, even the smallest of things like, I think the one that we talk about on the show a lot, and I I know for me has been a big game changer is we're all aware there's this pressure. We're all aware we feel judged. So there's a good chance that something coming out of your mouth Mm -hmm. makes somebody else feel judged. And if we can at least work on being self-aware of that, I have literally in conversations with like at playgrounds or at schools been, and even with old friends talking to them and saying something and then being like, I'm just going to stop real quick because I bet that sounded super jerky and that's not my intent, right? Like, I just want you to know, I, I'm really just trying to share this moment uh, and it's not, I, I'm sorry if, it, if it's making you feel uncomfortable, right? And, and, and I feel, or just the opposite to say, I know you're sharing that with me because it's trying to be helpful. You're giving me an example, but that's really making me feel crazy because I haven't slept in two weeks. You know what I mean? I I think if we can start saying those things to each other, even if you go back two weeks later and say, I have really been thinking about, you know, Teresa and I, we we have lived these examples where I have gone back to Teresa and said, I realized that when I said such and such, that probably sounded pretty judgy. Sorry about that. That is not my intent. So, you know, I think that's the self-aware thing that we all could hopefully work on. And maybe. does the majority of your relationship between the two of you happen on the show? Do you guys socialize much outside of the show? Uh, yes and no. Yeah, yes I mean, no. we, especially if we, like, are missing a show one week, we tend to text more frequently because I think we start to miss each other. <laughs> Um, and we do see each other now and then. I think, you know, it's, we probably would love to see each other much more than we already do. I would love to do that walking. We were like walking twice a week and it it was like such a a huge deal. And like, you know, the real, again, it's one of those unspoken realities for people. It's easier to say my friend had a baby and gave up on me Mm -hmm. and our relationship's over or everything changed when my friend had a baby as opposed to, it is suddenly really difficult to get schedules to line up and make things work. And when they can work, awesome. Yeah. And when they can't, that's also okay, right? Like yep. that's, I think that's, yeah. 
It'd be great. So you, when you children. started the show, you were in the depths of, and I heard that ignore your children thing. There are times when definitely. It's good for everyone. Um, you started the show, you guys are kind of in the depths of survival mode, having, you know, newborns and little kids, and you're just sort of coming out of that. Um, you're not going to run out of material. There's no, no question of that. They're n- never going to run out of material. What do you see as a path going forward with the show? Business as usual? Um, any major shifts you see with, with changes in the, the ages of the kids and, the, and your lives or playing it by ear? I don't know. It's weird. I, I honestly, I would say like a year and a half in, I kind of had that moment of, Teresa, I don't know what the comment was, but it was clearly, we're clearly doing this show till we're dead. <laughs> I was like, I just thought we'd do this for like a year, right? Like, and, I, and it was so surprising to me that this show was still going. And I know one of the things I think we're going through right now, uh, dynamic and show-wise, is the age difference between our two oldest children is really starting to separate in terms of, so what we talked about the first two years of the mm. show were when my daughter was three and four years old. And Teresa had basically an infant, right? Mm. And now Simon is three and four years old and going through all the same things mm. that I'm now done with. Now i got a first grader. She has totally different problems. And I want to make sure the show doesn't just focus on the adventures of Katie Bell getting older. Now we have a chance to sometimes revisit things we had talked about you know, a year ago, but now we get to bring but a we new... we don't want to be repetitive. Right. So well, without being yeah. repetitive, but I think with a new perspective sometimes mm-hmm. of you going through this with a son at mm-hmm. this age, and it's, it's creating a new dynamic of trying to bring new elements to a discussion uh, while simultaneously moving forward. I mean, we, have, we both have our two youngest are the exact same age almost. And so it could be very easy to go back and be like, sleep training again, yeah. you know, bottle feeding again, yeah. like all, diaper, we're going to totally, potty training's about to happen all yep. over again. Yep. So do you revisit those from a new perspective? Mm. Can you even, uh, or do we just keep pushing forward? And I don't, I don't really know what the answer is to that, but. I also think to add on to that, we have, you know, we've been committed from day one to being a comedy show. Yeah. Um, And we really will always be a comedy show. But I think as we've completed two, three years of podcasts, we've gotten to a point where we're a little more comfortable dealing with the bigger issues about parenting. You know, we did an episode about postpartum uh, depression and anxiety disorders. We did uh, more recently an episode on miscarriages and pregnancy loss and um, I think that going forward, I think I think we share a hope and expectation that we can continue to tackle some of these issues that really are like weighing heavily on some portion of our audience at least all the time. Um, you know, we've had requests for episode or a group of episodes on fertility issues, yeah. and these are big ones. And we struggle with: is this the right? Thing for our show because we are so committed to being that safe, funny place for parents where they can go and know that they'll feel good after listening to the show. Um, and so if, if we haven't done shows on certain things yet, it's because we're still trying to 
figure out a way to do it that will do justice to that bigger issue, but also do it in a way that still has some humor and some some of that some of that special one bed mother vibe. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I'm sure exactly what will keep your show as something that's worth listening to and participating in. Well, thank you. Well, well, we'll see. There's always a good chance we can totally mess this up. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both so much for joining me. It was great talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, right. thank you. Yeah. This is fun. 